My name is Liz Gray, and I am the rector here at Incarnation. And this has been probably the hardest few days for our community since we began several years ago. For those of you who are visiting, you wouldn't know this, but as Lee mentioned in her testimony earlier, our beloved friend, our warden, our rock in this community, Eric Owen, died very unexpectedly on Friday. And so we are all reeling with the bruising of that shock. He leaves his beloved wife, Erin, his children, David, James, and Clara. He leaves his mother and, and his siblings, Holly and Matt, his mom, Joan, hundreds of us, maybe thousands of us, who will notice his loss Many, many of us who are grieving hard as this man whom we find so dear has been kind of ripped out of our community. And so we are beginning this Advent season with lament, with grief, with a fresh reminder of how devastating death is. This loss so hard that we can hardly breathe. And we know that losing Eric is something that will shape us all. We are changed by the grief of this moment. And so even as we begin to think about this Advent, this is where we are. This is where we start. And yet today we're starting a sermon series which we entitled For All People. And we're following the, the traditional words which are associated with the Advent candles. We're going to be thinking about the hope today, the hope for all people. How do we hope today? What does hope mean when we feel bereft? And to be honest, I wrote this sermon on Monday and Tuesday of this week when I was looking at a very different world. I was looking at a world with Thanksgiving and, and time off and vacation and just a sense of focusing on all that was good. And so I wrote this, and yet when I came back to the words yesterday, they were still so appropriate. Because our hope stands firm. So I wonder what the word hope conjures up for you. And if I were just to do a little quick kind of um, random word shout out and ask to the things that you're hoping for, all our hopes would be really, really different. And some of you might say, oh, we're hoping for a vaccine, or we're hoping that we'll get back to normal school soon, or we're hoping that Christmas will come and we'll, we'll get some gifts, and we, we're hoping for sleepovers with our friends if we're school, playdates again. So many things that we're hoping for. Perhaps as you look around in wherever you are, in the room where you are, or look around on the little squares on Zoom, you'll You'll have hopes for different people, vocational hopes, relational hopes, hopes that they will have be in good health, that they'll get a satisfying job, that they will find a life partner, that they will have a baby, or hopes that are bigger, hopes for peace on earth, or simply a hope for no more loss. And last week, Josie finished her talk in a very interesting place. At the end of last week, she showed us a blank piece of paper and asked us to begin to imagine what our hopes might be. And as I thought about it this week, I, I really wanted there to be two sheets of paper. 
Because some of the things that we are hoping for, we're hoping for in this life, many of those things, probably all of those things actually that I just mentioned, are things that we hope will take place in this life. But I think we ought to have a second piece of paper. And me being me, I need two bits of paper. I can't do this with two columns on one piece of paper. I need a second, a second sheet. And maybe on this sheet, we could think about the things that we're hoping for in our death and beyond our death. So maybe as we begin now, you could either take two sheets of paper or in your imagination, begin to have two sheets of paper and, and begin to think, what are your hopes for this life and your hopes for the life beyond? But before you write anything down, just pause for a moment and think, because there is a subtle difference between a hope and an expectation. So actually, many of those things I mentioned aren't really hopes, because there are more expectations. There will be a vaccine. Kids, normal will come again at school. You will get to have playdates again. You will have sleepovers. You will, there are lots of things that perhaps we use the hope for, which are more about expectations, things that we absolutely know are going to happen. Maybe it's more appropriate for us to say that we're looking for a timeline for those. We hope that the timeline will be soon. In Romans chapter 8, it says, For in hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. When we read the prophets, we read what they hoped for. They didn't know actually exactly how it was all going to come about. And so we can put the story together backwards, a bit like a good murder mystery novel or a good Agatha Christie. We see the clues as we read scripture. We see the jumps, the links, the connections. So earlier on, we heard this reading read from Isaiah. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down so that the mountains would quake at your presence. Isaiah was looking for a moment of drama when God would come to earth, this promise that he was expecting. He goes on, as when fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil, to make your name, name, your name known to your adversaries so that the nations might tremble at your presence. Isaiah was wanting and expecting something quite dramatic. He wanted something so obvious that everybody would have to stop and see. I don't think Isaiah essentially saw Jesus exactly as it was, a baby born in a dusty stable. A few shepherds and a cohort or two of angels and a few wise men, they noticed. But the majority of the world did not blink an eye at the birth of Jesus. For most people, they didn't see the heavens be torn or the mountains quake. Though Isaiah did have many clues, and they all contribute to this building picture in, throughout the Old Testament. In chapter 7, it says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a young woman shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. There's a clue. There's a clue that he hoped for. And then in chapter 9, Isaiah says, For a child has been born to us, a son given to us, and the authority is upon his shoulder. And the wondrous advisor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, called his name the Prince of Peace. There's another clue, another something that Isaiah saw and knew. 
Later on, you also read, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Isaiah gradually, slowly building up a picture of hope. And as we read all the prophecies from Isaiah, from Micah, from Jeremiah, from Daniel, the Psalmists, Deuteronomy, Zechariah, so many words, the picture begins to fill out this message from the Holy Spirit, which was teaching and explaining and giving words to the prophets. And so this picture built, this picture built of a birth, a picture built of death, a picture built of something which would bring salvation to all people. But the prophets didn't see it like a photograph in a book. They couldn't really, truly even imagine what it was going to be like. And so hope is not what we think will happen necessarily. Hope is unknown. We are not hoping for what we totally understand. We hope without actually getting all the details. There is a lovely quote from T.S. Eliot which says, I said to my soul, be still and wait without hope, for hope would be hope for the wrong thing. Wait without love, for love, for love would be love of the wrong thing. There is yet faith but the faith and the love are all in the waiting. The hope that we hold onto comes despite of, or sometimes even because of the darkness that we experience. Because hope is what you need when there is no hope. When the world around you feels like it is simply impossible to go on. Hope is based on what we believe to be true and about how we hold scripture to account. There is a lot of feeling in hope. And as some of you know, I've been rereading Lord of the Rings recently, so this isn't the first quote from Lord of the Rings, but it really struck me the other day. There is a beautiful description. So if you know the story, Frodo and Sam, towards the end of the book, are getting close to fulfilling their quest. But they're in a very, very dark place. Sam tried to guess the distances and to decide what way they ought to take. It looks every step of 50 miles, he muttered gloomily, staring at the threatening mountain, and that'll take a week if it takes a day with Mr. Frodo as he is. He shook his head, and as he worked things out, slowly a new dark thought grew in his mind. Never for long had hope died in his staunch heart, and always till now he had taken some thought for their return, but the bitter truth came home to him at last. At best, their provision would take them to their goal, and when the task was done, they would come to an end, alone, houseless, foodless, in the middle of a terrible desert. There could be no return. So that was the job I felt I had to do when I started, thought Sam, to help Mr. Frodo to the last step and then die with him. Well, if that is the job, then I must do it but I would dearly like to see Bywater again and Rosie Cotton and her brothers and the gaffer and Marigold and all. I can't think somehow that Gandalf would have sent Mr. Frodo on this errand if there hadn't been a hope of his ever coming back at all. Things all went wrong when he went down in Moriah. I wish he hadn't. He would have done something. But even as hope died in Sam, or seemed to die, it was turned to a new strength. Sam's plain hobbit face grew stern, almost grim, as the will hardened in him. 
and he felt through all his limbs a thrill, as if he was turning into some creature of stone and steel that neither despair nor weariness nor endless barren miles could subdue. Somehow, when Sam had given up on all hope, there came the potential of gritty, hard work, of simply stepping into the next step, of with determination saying, there was a task that I was given to do and I will keep stepping, I will keep going on even though I feel no hope. Hope meant trusting that their quest had meaning, knowing that their obedience to the task was all that they could see at that point. And the prophets waited for hope. They really didn't fully know what they were waiting for, but they did know God. They knew that they loved and followed the creator of the universe. They knew that they were beloved. They knew that God had spoken, was speaking, and would speak as they moved forward. They even knew that God had taken some of them into exile. They knew that he was a good father. He was with them through thick and thin. And they knew something of the glory ahead. There were things that the prophets knew which facilitated their hope. And so they told of their hope. As they looked forward and saw a birth, they told of their hope beyond death. And so today, if there are days like today or tomorrow or the days ahead when you feel no hope, we, like Sam and Frodo, can do some things. We can tighten our belts. We can put on our backpacks and keep going into the tasks that we have been given. Like the prophets, we can return on a daily basis to what is certain. And our faith is certain in several ways. We are certain that we are loved by God and that he has been chosen to be called Father, an intimate term of relationship. As we heard earlier in Isaiah, yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay and you are the potter and we are all the work of your hands. We know that we are works in formation. We know that God is involved. He's not a distant God. He's a close God. He's a God who wants to get his hands onto your life with you and in you and through you. God identifies and engages with us. A potter is invested in his product. And God cares about our beauty, our shape, and our form. And this is certain. Our hope is also based on the certainty that we don't get what we deserve. And we will remember that when we come to the table in a little while. We don't get the penalty for our sins, because God not only came as a baby, but that baby grows up, and always when we come to Advent, we have Easter just ahead of us as well, when we remember that that baby grew up to die on a cross for each one of us. We remember, and again, further on in that passage from Isaiah, Isaiah says, don't be exceedingly angry, O Lord. Do not remember iniquity forever. Now consider, we are all your people. We remember, and hope has as Isaiah did, that God has got a solution and we see it in Jesus. And thirdly, our hope is focused on the future. We believe there is more, more than being good and trying to be kind and more than the hopes that we have on our life blank page. There are the hopes that we have on our death and beyond blank page as well. 
We believe that Christ will return, that there will be a new heaven and a new earth, that we will reign forever with him, that there is meaning in life and there is meaning in death. Because our hope transcends death. Our hope says that there is time beyond that when we will be with Jesus. And we can base that on the certainty of the character of God whom we know and trust. In 2 Corinthians, Paul says this, we are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. Therefore, we do not lose heart that outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Our hope is fixed on things unseen. Hard to get our heads around. But this Advent season, I encourage you week by week to feed your hopes by remembering God's faithfulness in his word, faithfulness as he spoke through the prophets, faithfulness in the ways that he fulfilled all the things that the prophets foresaw through the birth of this Christ child. And we can be certain that he will do so when Christ returns. To feed your hope. It's so easy to become cynical and doubtful. Don't feed your doubt. Everyone has days of doubt. And the lovely thing about doubt, it's like night and day. Doubt reminds us that there is hope. So if you feel doubt, recognize it. Recognize it as a nighttime and look forward to the dawn that will come. And I encourage you to share your hope. This season we're talking about hope for all people, peace for all people, love for all people, joy for all people. Find someone to encourage this week with the hope that you have, which is founded on eternal truth and a confidence that there is a God who sees and knows and loves us. God is faithful. That is why we hope. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a God who speaks out hope I thank you that you're a God that when we doubt, you're not worried. You simply encourage us to take the next step, to tighten our belts and to wait and listen. We thank you that you never stop speaking. We thank you that you are faithful and true. And we thank you most of all that Christ will come again. We thank you that you hold our beloved Eric close to your heart even now. And so many others who have gone before us, and as we recognize the grief for Eric, we're all remembering the grief we hold for those we love. We are so grateful, so grateful that we can be absolutely confident that we will be united in the new heaven and the new earth. Thanks be to God. Amen. We're going to take a few moments of quiet before we affirm our faith again.